We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Alrighty, so we left off uh, last time speaking about the fact that Allah lets many go astray and he guides many in the context of, of the Quran. We had a, a whole discussion about that. And then we finished off by saying Allah does not let anyone go astray except for the fasiq. And so today we're going to talk about elements of what does it mean to be a fasiq. And let me pull up the whiteboard. Once again, let me know you can see the whiteboard on the screen. Okay, very good. Hopefully your monitors are all Nice and clean, so the whiteboard looks clean, and otherwise, please practice green hygiene. Okay, so at the end of Ayah 26, um, so surah two, today we're looking at 26 through 27, and we have the concept of the faucet. So, now, considering what we have covered so far, thinks of the, think of the type of people we have covered so far in contrast to the people of taqwa, which is the muttaqi, the kafir, and the munafiq. So that's what we've had so far. Good. And so... <clears throat> So the question is, what is the difference between a fossic and these other ones? The idea of the definition of the fossic of fisk is that imagine you have a river and the water is bursting beyond the boundaries, beyond the banks of the river. That is fisk. And so when we're talking about conduct, a fasik is someone who's crossing boundaries. But a key element is that they are not, they don't have shame about it. So a fasik versus a munafik, munafik being a hypocrite, a hypocrite doesn't realize that they're a hypocrite and they don't want you to know. A fasik doesn't care. So uh, I'm trying to think of examples of people who are just publicly shameless about their sins. The first person that comes to mind, sorry about your politics if they disagree, is the previous president who, who is on, who's recorded for being shamelessly giving examples of his misconduct. I'm not going to go so far as to say he's a fossic, you know, whatever. I mean, hopefully he will not come close to re-election. But the point here is... That is akin to what we're talking about in terms of a fossic, someone who crosses boundaries but has no shame. Okay. So that's the idea of the word. But in terms of the attributes in the Quran of a fossic, let's take a look at them. So at the end of I 26, it says, But it is only the rebels that he makes go astray, according to one translation. And then the second, he only thereby mis gets, uh, misleads the miscreants, you know, nice, all kinds of really big SAT type words. Or, and he only thereby causes to go astray the transgressors. And then, yeah, okay. 
So now we're going to see three attributes of the faucet. So think back to when we talked about the people of Taqwa. I said, these people have guidance. These people are successful. And we had six attributes of the people of Taqwa. The people we're talking about now are the complete opposite of the people of Taqwa. So one type of opposite are the, are the Kafirs and the Monophics, but the complete opposite is the Fasik. And we'll see why. Number one, these people are misguided. And number two, we're going to see at the end of the ayah that they're losers. People of Taqwa, guidance, and they're successful. Fasik, the people of Fisk, are misguided, are astray, and are losers. So attribute number one, they break their pact with Allah after having confirmed it. And we'll explain on, expand on each of these. Attribute number two, they have cut the relations that Allah has ordered to be joined. And attribute number three, they make mischief on the earth, in the world. So these people are losers. Let's go back to the whiteboard and then talk about this a little bit more. And then we're going to go back to the Quran in just a second here too. So, so we'll just put a little box around this. Yeah. So attributes of the classic. One is that they make mischief or they, they break uh, the relationship with the law. They break their pact with the law. after confirming it. Second one, they split what Allah has ordered to be joined. And then third one, they make mischief or corruption in the world. Okay. Results, they are astray and they're losers. Okay, so first let's talk about the first attribute. They they break this pact with Allah after having confirmed it. A common place that this is understood to be referring to is what is commonly called the primordial pact, meaning the conversation we all had with Allah way back prior to the beginning of time. Yeah, uh, right here. Okay, so I-172. And so, so recall when your Lord brought forth their progeny, 
you know, from the children of Adam. So basically, Allah rounds up all of the children of Adam. So everybody. And then he says to all of us, Am I not your Lord? And all of us said yes. We testify. So that, and then Allah says we did so on the day of judgment, you can't say you didn't know. That part we'll talk about a little bit later. So there's this moment in prehistory where all of us spoke before Allah and confirmed to Allah that he is our Lord. This is the primordial, the first essential act that we made with Allah. Good. And so, switching back to whiteboard. So attribute A. Is this packed with Allah as found in Surah Al Araf, I 172? Yeah. So, one key to, to misguidance is that you break this relationship, you turn away from Allah. Keep in mind, it is also from this ayah that we begin to develop the idea of the fitrah that we have this bond with Allah. And so when we're born in this dunya, we have a natural consciousness and natural affinity for Allah. And so they break this pact. They turn away from Allah. Let's not call this attribute A, let's call this attributes. Okay, the second one, they split what Allah has ordered to be joined. And so here, it's basically family, relatives, friendships. relationships. So what do they do? Without justification or legal recourse, and I'll explain what that means. They cut ties. Okay. So again, going back to the point that you know you keep hearing from me that the foundation, the major foundation of the deen is all your relationships, as we saw, especially with the third command, and I mean the first command, your relationship with Allah, and second command, your relationship with Allah, and the third command, your relationship with others. Here, that if you are breaking off a relationship without justification, so justification means suppose they're abusive to you, or legal recourse means a divorce, but if you're breaking a relationship without justification. That is the path to misguidance. That is the path of uh, losing guidance. 
So all of us have relatives, you know, in uh, our extended family or, or people we know in our circles that we just really don't like. Usually my family is me that nobody likes. But the point is that, uh, that you can't break relationships with people. And it goes so far as to say that when you break a relationship with someone without justification, that relationship comes and complains to Allah and Allah breaks his relationship with you. And so this is the second E to misguidance. So once again, we're saying that the default relationship that Allah has with everyone is guidance, but this is how to lose it. And then corruption in the world. So when does, when does it go from being a sin to corruption? It's when you combine sin with other people. So, for example, if I lie to you, you know, technically that's that's a sin. But if I'm the only person who's doing it, then it's not necessarily corruption. Now, if two us two of us get together to preach a lie, now it's corruption. And so it's when you're teaming up with others that uh, that uh, that uh, that the that the sin becomes corruption. So they do corruption. I don't know what the right verb is for doing corruption. Uh, Jewel, to answer your question, is there an indication of this world when this is, you find this interpretation both ways on the day of judgment or in this world by loosening your or weakening your connection with Allah? Okay, so... So what's common among all of these, all of these are acts of misconduct. So again, we're saying the default relationship that Allah has with everybody is guidance. And not just guidance, that the default endpoint that Allah has in store for every one of us is the top level of Jannah. Meaning for the moment you're born, the aim, the expected end location for you is literally the top level of Jannah to the point there's a palace right now waiting for you in the top level of Jannah. But with each of my sins and each of the ways that I fall short, then I start going lower and lower and lower and lower. And if I don't reset, then that palace gets given to somebody else. And here... Now we're just talking about misconduct. The key to misconduct, or I'm sorry, now we're talking about misguidance. The key to misguidance is misconduct with Allah, misconduct with your relations, and misconduct with the world itself, with society and the world. And so Allah does not misguide anyone except for these people. Okay, having said that, Leith, you have a question. Yeah, so um, I feel like I often struggle with the first part of this. So, I mean, okay, so in practice, what does it look like to break this pact with Allah yeah. that we made in pre-eternity? Yeah, because I'm guessing you probably don't remember the pact, right? You don't remember, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, neither do I. 
So, so, so one way this is understood is that you have this innate tendency towards to go towards Allah, to turn to Allah, and you turn away from it. So think back to how we define kufr at a spiritual level. Kufr at a spiritual level is you feel compelled to turn to Allah and you shut it down. Right. Now, if we want to make it more worldly, a way to interpret it is that you make a deal with Allah. Oh, Allah, if you do this for me, I'll do X, Y, Z. And then Allah does it for you and you, you throw that agreement behind your back. But fundamentally, how would we look at this? It's basically you're consciously turning away from Allah. So that person will be a Muslim at one point? But maybe, maybe not. This, uh, this is not limited to Muslims or non-Muslims. Oh, okay. And so, so this could be someone who has the opportunity, the thought, the capacity to turn to Allah, the inkling to turn to Allah, or the internal compulsion to turn to Allah, and they say no. And so that's the closest thing that I can think of uh, in terms of answering your question, Lathan. Like they actually feel the compulsion and they reject it. What do you think? So uh, that's, uh, that makes sense. So, I mean, and are, we, are we saying rejecting this compulsion outright or denying certain facets of the deen or like what is? I, so, so the essence here is your relationship with Allah. So forget terms like Islam and all those things. So, you know, the essence of our relationship with the Prophet, peace be upon him, is our relationship with Allah. And so, so, so if I have, if I'm turning away from certain parts of the deen, that may or may not be uh, what's being spoken of in this ayah. And my tendency is to think that it's not, unless we're talking about something really huge, like, yeah, I like Allah, but I'm not going to follow the Prophet. Then, you know, it might be closer to this. But even then, we're speaking primarily about your relationship with God. Make sense? Yes. Yeah. And so because we're, and also just to follow the previous point you, you made to Karam's uh, comment, uh, we're not limiting this to Muslims. Uh, nope. Okay. Yeah. And so we're saying everybody has this innate tendency and that's, that's yeah. the manifestation of the pact in the real world. Yeah, exactly. Or in not the real world, but in our world. In, in this living world. And I mean, keep in mind that, you know, we're living also in this modern, postmodern, secular land. And so, so the last part of the IS says, you know, so you, so you can't say in the day of judgment, we were unaware. And this is where we have, you know, two majority schools. I don't remember if we talked about it here about salvation for people who don't uh, receive the message, you know, so one school says, relate to this ayah, everybody deep, deep, deep down inside has a belief in God, okay? uh, which might be completely buried, but everyone has it and it's in their consciousness. Therefore, they'll have no excuse on the day of judgment. And the other school says, no, that it can be buried so much that you just don't even know it. And, and so how can it be fair for that person to go to hell? Right. And then again, where do they both agree that Allah is going to treat everybody fairly? Yeah. And so do the people that you grew up with in Ohio, the people that grew up in Chicago, everyone, you know, does everyone deep down inside have a consciousness of God? I don't know. I don't know. It's in their hearts. But one knows. Shala. So would you delineate, please, the difference between kafirs then and fasik? Do they, so, okay. yeah. 
So Fosick is focused more on the conduct, whereas Goffer is focused more on the belief. So the, the Goffer might be someone who is rejecting God, uh, but let's say out of generosity, they're a billionaire and they're donating all their money to people in need. The Fosick is flaunting their misconduct. And so the Fosic may be a believer, may not be a believer. That makes sense? Eventually. Any other questions? Okay, so let's see some of the, the questions in the, the group. Can we think of a Fosic as and Muttaki as two extremes in a spectrum? Yes, exactly. Is the ayahs about the the, the Muttaki says they are guided. The ayahs of the Fasik says these are the people Allah lets astray. The ayahs about the Muttaki says they're successful. And the ayahs about the Fasik says they're losers. I know there's something, maybe it's the third grader in me always loves hearing the word loser for some reason, but that's nothing to do with this class. But anyway, so yeah, so, the, so one opposite of the people of Taqwa would be the Kafirs, but the full opposite of the people of Taqwa would be the Fasiks. And let's see, but the pact with Allah happened in Alam uh, Alam Al Arwah, now this physical state of ours. Yes, that is correct. I mean, it's before any of us even came close to entering this world, so it's a it's an era beyond time, beyond location, and such. Uh, I think uh, Ayat twenty one is it foreshadowing some of the bad attributes of Bani Israel? In a way, yes. But the whole Ayahs one through thirty nine are foreshadowing. The good and the bad of the Bani Israel. So, one, uh, so as an introduction to the big section, everything we find in the first 39 ayahs, we then find in the story of the children of Israel. Nether. Yeah, just a follow up to the question I typed in. Um, I don't know if you answered it before I had to step away, but. I literally just um, answered it, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, um, no, I, I heard what you said. The, I meant the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> Giving me a hard time, Professor. Um, so basically, I'm just wondering in terms of um, like trying to see like kind of self-evaluation, right? Like where you are and thinking of it as a spectrum, do you always see yourself somewhere in between trying to move away from Fasil towards Muttaqi? Oh, good question. Okay, so well, uh, let's first make a couple of spectrums, spectra, to, to help make sense of this. So this, I don't remember if I've drawn this before. If we have the Hadith of Jibreel, Islam, as I am trying to get closer to Allah, so we go through Islam, as we get closer, we, reach, we expand into Iman, as we get closer, we expand into Ahsan. If I'm turning away from Allah, give it a different color. Brown. I hope you have a brown power. Anyway, anyway, so, okay, so uh, if I'm going away from Allah, one direction is to go towards Kufr, another is to go towards Nifaq. And if I get even further away, 
it's the faucet, it's Fisk. So this is, let me write this more clearly. Uh, so this is on the right is me trying to get closer to Allah. On the left, it's me turning away from Allah. As I get closer to Allah, I will expand to these dimensions of faith. As I'm turning away, however, I will expand here and potentially reach all the way over here. So it's kind of like saying being a fossic is the lowest of the low. But like we said, what is the key of the fossic? The key is misconduct. And, and so uh, if we were to, uh, where does taqwa fit into all this? Taqwa is the process of, so to speak, me tightening my belt so that I go from Islam to Iman, and then me tightening my belt further. And I mean this by my spiritual belt. Um, so I go from Iman to Ihsan. And this is based on an ayah in Surah 5 that I'd actually have to look up. Uh, and so as I, what is taqwa again? It's to keep yourself on guard in your actions primarily and then more than that in your intentions and then more than that in your core yearnings and the more over the course of your life your habit becomes such that you are getting more scrupulous about those things then the consequence is that you're getting closer to allah meaning assuming your intentions are getting closer to allah however loosening your belt in the terms of the, you know, your conduct, your language, like you're letting yourself go in terms of the words you say, your misconduct, then you're going the opposite direction. Let me know if that makes sense or if you have follow-up. That does make sense. Um, the one follow-up that comes to mind is the fact that I'm assuming you can be a Muslim fasiq and that's further away from God than being a kafir or a munafiq. Yeah, nice question. So in terms of categorization, we would still probably call that person a monophic. Um, but again, the difference between a fossic and a monophic is that a fossic doesn't care, um, whereas a monophic still has some amount of care, right? You know, when they're with the believers, they say we're with you. When they're with the coffers, when they're with the shaitans, they say we're really with you. Fossic doesn't even care. Fossic will be open about the contradiction, right? Again, I don't like using real people as examples, uh, for all these things, but yet I think, you know, a lot of the rhetoric we heard from that last president, you know, uh, about his misconduct and the way he would, he would boast about it. Um, that's very much the example. Another example, you know, I mean, he's with Ola now, but you know, if you think of someone like Hugh Hefner, you know, who would boast about, about his conduct and such, but in, in fact, you know, I shouldn't even use him. He's with Ola now. Um, but the point here is, is, as a categorization, we still probably call a, a Muslim who's doing that a monophic or just a bad Muslim. You know? And keep in mind, this also includes like killers, you know, people who, who are outlandish about killing in the name of God without justification. You know? And so does that negate someone's Islam majority opinions? No, it does not. 
as opposed to saying there's no God that would negate your Islam. Um, but uh, the point is that, uh, I mean, so actions would still have you categorized as a Muslim, even if they're wrong actions. Thank you. Yes, uh, I have a question about the second attribute. So yes. um, what then qualifies as a relation that Allah has ordered to be joined? Is that just any relationship where you don't have, you're not justified to cut it? Basically. So what do you think about this is that your family, your extended family, you have to keep those ties. And it doesn't mean you're inviting everybody over for dinner every, every week, right? There's going to be some relatives you like more. Um, and there might be those relatives that you invite once a year. But the point is that uh, you can't cut ties with them. And, and then uh, the next round of relations would be your friends and your neighbors. And then everybody else. And so, so this eye is really, I think, especially hammering home this whole repeated point about the, you know, so much of the essence of Islam is your relationships, your connections. That when you cut them, you're risking losing guidance. And from a different perspective, you know, I made the point before that in terms of spiritual health and potentially to some degree mental health, but I'm not, I'm not a therapist, a therapist would have to address this. In my experience, the people who have more solid ties, more solid relationships tend to be more spiritually stable. And the people who have less of those tend to be less spiritually stable. And, and just another way to think about it is, okay, the more people you have checking on you, the more people you have who have your back, and the more people who you check on uh, will often lead to spiritual strength, spiritual stability. The more you are an island, the more vulnerable you are. So, especially with blood relatives. But, and so I'm saying, even if you have blood relatives who are not really strong in terms of Dean, you know, either they've walked away or it's faded away from their lives and such, they're still your relatives. And so I don't know if there's any of my old converts in this class, doesn't look like it, but you know, a central rule that, that my converts will hear from me is you have to keep your, your, your relations with your family members, even if they completely reject you for being Muslim. And your Islam should result in you being a better son, a better daughter, right? Regardless of what they have to say about Islam. Make sense? Yes, thank you. Okay, inshallah. Any other questions, thoughts about all this? Okay, so we're moving along at, at a really good solid speed. And we are going to get farther in the course than I thought. I thought we were going to make it up to I-29 and then be done. Uh, but we're going to have some fun because we have still a week left in Ramadan. And so we're going to be able to do the origins story. But tomorrow we will do, inshallah, oh, no, no, no. We have no class tomorrow. Uh, we will return on Friday. Alhamdulillah that, you know, that I went through that line of thinking. And so uh, we will do ayahs 28 and 29 on Friday, which will also be completing this section, ayahs 21 through 29. And then we're going to review the whole section to see how it all fits together. And then after that, we'll do the origin story as found in ayahs 30 through 39. 
And that will probably keep us covered all the way until Eid. Shala. Do you ever teach a class or have you thought about teaching a class on Allah's names? Uh, so I have had one of those like in the works. Um, uh, in fact, very, very recently um, and approaching in a number of different ways. So, so there's a couple of books that even speak about the various different virtues for reciting the different names of Allah and then addressing it from a theological perspective. So a way to think about this is that, okay, what a normal human being does in their fun time is that they'll go hang out with people to go out to dinner, to watch sports. And in my fun time, I design curricula in my head, right? I mean, that's, that's like beyond nerd level, you know, not even more, more than computer programmers. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to the ID people. But the, the point is that uh, I have had uh, such a course developing in my head and just figuring out whenever I'm going to sit down and fully draw it out. Will you let everybody on this list know about that? Uh, that's or just Loyola? Loyalists. So I'll figure out a way to, to, to give attention to it if when it finally gets formed, inshallah. Dr. Malahat is in this call, and I'm sure as soon as that question got raised, the discussion began, he got really excited because he is, as a supporter, not a critic, he's you know the one who pushes me to teach more and more, inshallah. So we'll see, inshallah. Good. Any other questions about anything at all? Just uh, going back to the first point of... Uh, your, your relationship, right? Innate yeah. uh, uh, with Allah, right? Mm -hmm. So this is uh, this is a very sort of internal thing, which we, nobody externally will be able to tell about any person, right? Whether yeah. he has, whether he is, a, whether Muslim or non-Muslim is relation, how his relation is realized or not, right? Mm -hmm. um, so so it means that this is something Allah Ta'ala is telling that, okay, means I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to probe that person and uh, that person is uh, rejecting. Mm -hmm. uh, is that sort of thing? Is that uh... sort of? I mean, uh, when I hear the word trying for Allah, I mean, that seems kind of strange. But the point is that Allah knows your internal condition and he knows, you know, he knows exactly how much you're turning to or away from him, even better than you or I do. Right. Yeah. And and so I have a sense of how much I'm turning to turning away, but he has the exact measurement and he, he even knows the consequences of what will happen, obviously. But yeah. And so that is your internal condition. And so even building that point, in theory, as the teacher, in theory, I should have the best relationship with Allah out of everybody in the class. But it could be Basith, it could be Hania, it could be Saram, it could be Jewel, it could be you, you know. So in, in terms of this ayah, Ms. Allah Ta'ala is revealing to us, okay, that uh, it means that he, Allah Ta'ala is definitely approaching everyone then. If Allah Ta'ala is revealing yeah, us through this ayah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say we've had a number of examples of that exact point, like Allah's Rabb of all the worlds, yeah. and he's Rahim, he has an individual relationship of Rahma, and I think this will be another example of that, yes. So. Okay. Nice. Any other questions about anything at all? Nothing else? Nothing else? All right, inshallah. So once again, no class tomorrow. So you have one day free from torture and we will return on Friday and begin to finish everything off, inshallah. Right. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta. 
We lake. May Allah tell word you all, inshallah. And we will see you on Friday, inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.